All right, let's get this started. We'll leave it. Michael's just over here like, cool, cool, cool. Thanks for inviting I mean, me. I'm just, I did, I'm just I holding it all. That is a true statement. I'm, I'm just holding it all in. Uh, <laughs> So it's kind of funny how we do our intros too, because I think it's at some point in time that you, Jonathan, are just talking back and forth, and then all of a sudden I'll launch it. Welcome to Coach's Corner with your host Ryan Watson and Jonathan Bourne, brought to you by Broadway Sports Media, partner with 440 Sports. Find all of our great content at broadwaysportsmedia.com. Got an exciting show for y'all tonight. Uh, if y'all caught us last week, which you really should have, uh, we were on Dad's Watching Sports with... Michael Draper and Kyle Castles and their live stream. We're out there live. Music, uh, the audio quality from us wasn't as good, so we're going to redeem ourselves tonight. Have them on. We'll talk about some things. Welcome, guys. Thank you all for joining. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Great to be here. Yeah, I've been enjoying y'all's show. I know that we were on it for a little bit uh, as guests, but we're also I've also been watching some shows back and forth. Anybody out there listening, go into their archives, find the the, the Kyle Castles uh, has an operation uh, episode, and give that a listen. It is educational. It's fun. It, it is it, if you're a, a man approaching forty and you don't want kids anymore, go go see the vasectomy story from Kyle Castles. It is it is Emmy worthy. I mean, how you haven't gotten an award from the broadcasting you know whatever from whatever is beyond me it was great well here's the the reason i haven't gotten an award is because i like i tell my i don't i don't even call him a co-host like i tell the host of our show i am nothing more than the talent anything that happens beyond that is on him so he just has not put me out there enough is that about right mike uh, I could put you out there more than anyone has ever been put out in their life. <clears throat> and let's just be honest, man. It's just not going to happen. Uh, if if there's anyone that knows me better than my wife on this planet, it is Michael Draper. That's a good point. And that's true. It's a scary thought, but it's true. And that's why y'all show is is very entertaining. So I recommend it out there to anyone. It's uh, on Twitter at Dad's Watch Sports. Catch their live stream every Sunday night on YouTube at 830 Central. Do I have yes. that right? Okay, yeah. Yeah. perfect. I was, I was like, did I get that right when I wrote it down? So I've been watching the last couple of weeks uh, due to like putting kids to bed and everything. I can't really join right away, but I, I do try to catch it when I can. It's, it's good fun. Make sure you're checking them out. But, you know, don't I don't want to tell everyone about what your show is. Give us a little background. I know that, you know, y'all been friends for only like a month or something. So 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 give us a little background in the show and how it started and what it's all about. Yeah, so uh, it's called Dad's Watching Sports, obviously. And so Kyle and I, um, you know, we this it was really about a year or so ago, a little bit more than a year ago, and and was just thinking like, you know, we we love sports. Uh, this is when we still had sports and everything that was involved with sports fans and and whatnot before COVID and. And, you know, I had a broadcasting background. It was something I was kind of wanting to get back into. And uh, I reached out to Kyle and said, hey, man, you know, would you be interested in doing this show? I've got this concept for the show where we talk about sports because that's something we love to do. And it's something that, you know, hopefully people would enjoy listening. But we're also dads. Kyle's got, what, a six, a four, and a one-year-old. And I've got a four and a two-year-old. And as you guys know, life as a dad of toddlers is a is an adventure in all itself. And so we, we try to bring that kind of aspect to it. And kind of like I tell everybody all the time, like, if you want to listen to – uh, someone breaking down, you know, Super Bowl 55 and how the Bucks defense absolutely dominated the Chiefs offensive line. And, and you want to know specific play 
and tactics and things like that. Our show is not the show for you. We'd love for you to still listen, but that's not really what we do. We we talk about sports kind of from a different aspect, uh, and we really try to incorporate dad life into it. So if it's, you know, like on draft night, on NBA draft night, it was, you know, what what would you say to your kid as they're getting ready to go through the NBA draft? Now, obviously, you looking at Kyle and I, you would know neither one of our kids are ever going to be in the NBA draft, but hypothetically, <laughs> if that happened, you know, what would that, what, what would that conversation be like? And so uh, we have fun with it we do uh, a lot of different stuff we've done some brackets uh, we did a sports movie like the best sports movie bracket uh, we did a serial uh, bracket was serial bracket was a really good one we got a lot of fun. a lot of uh, interest in the serial bracket mm-hmm. uh, for Mother's Day last year we had our wives on which was a fun best show ever it was one of the best shows of all. And we're going to steal that idea at some point. If I can ever get my wife uh, to actually agree to do a show with us and if we can figure out what to do with the kids while we record, but we're, we're going to yeah. steal that from y'all at some point. <laughs> it was fun. And our wife's like fully embraced it and they helped us pick the winner of the sports bracket. So it was fun. But, uh, but yeah, it's uh, dad's watching sports. We have a good time with it. And uh, again, try to just do something a little bit different than your kind of run of the mill sports show. That's awesome. Like I said, it's, it's a great time. Join them every Sunday, 830. They'll they'll be able to respond to you in the chat if you if you text. So so do that. So but we wanted to have y'all on uh, because we all all four of us have some form of background in coaching, as we discovered last last week talking with you, uh, Michael, or two a week and a half ago, whenever this was. I, I it's today is like Friday for me. I don't I don't even know. Knows. So uh, we wanted to kind of get into a lot of coaching stories, kind of some questions back and forth, but let me start with this is just, I want to start with both of you. Just what, uh, why did you want to be a coach and, or how did you get your start into coaching? Okay. Um, so I was, uh, I always, I love football growing up. I played football through college. I knew I wanted to be around football. Um, and so I thought, well, I don't really want to teach high school. So might as well coach college football. Uh, my wife, uh, girl, you know, fiance at the time, she was out at uh, Pepperdine Law School, so I found a small Division three school that let me come out and coach their offensive line. Um, and I learned that I actually hated coaching, um, coaching college football. Not the coaching part aspect, but the recruiting part. And if you can't recruit college, college isn't for you. Um, the next year, I – I coached at a high school and I didn't have a license to teach. I was a history major in undergrad and you can't really do anything with a history degree. Um, so I was doing that while I worked at a cupcake shop in Malibu, California. Um, but I, <laughs> yeah, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> I forgot all about the cupcake shop. Y'all are, not, y'all, are, y'all are not live streaming, right? Like the, the, the people can't see me. No, they can't, but I'm just, okay, I so can't. I need, I need to explain this to them. For those of you that are listening, I am between 6'3 and 6'4. I weigh a healthy 300 and about 70 pounds. My man. I'm a very large man with a very nice beard. And I was working in Malibu, California at a cupcake shop across the street from the beach selling cupcakes to people in Malibu <laughs> at six foot three, six foot four, 370 pounds. I'm not saying, I'm just saying. Yeah, I just want to give you some massive props here because nobody can see you. You really could have just sold yourself as. I was in Malibu, California, just felt at uh, 6364. I mean, Chris Hemsworth and I were going back and forth for that <laughs> Thor role, but uh, he won out, but you know, it, it could be worse. So kudos I, to you. 
you know what, you know what, Born, what I've learned is that honesty is the best policy. <laughs> and I'm sure there's just somebody who's going to listen to the show and go, you know what? I know that. Fa- can I cuss? Okay. I don't know if I can cuss on y'all's show. I should have asked this before we went live. True. <laughs> we, we cater mostly to middle schoolers. So. Yeah. So in church choirs. So yeah. Thanks for that. No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Anyways, that's how I got into coaching. Mike, talk about coaching that round boss and your stuff. I don't know. Yeah, so I, I think I'm the the only one uh, of the group that, that did not coach football. Um, so I was in grad school at Western Kentucky, go tops, uh, the probably the best Kentucky team that's going to be in the NCAA tournament this year. Um, but I was in grad school uh, at, at Western and um, I, as I told you guys kind of before the show, I was I'd done some uh, sports broadcasting stuff and that was the field that I thought I was going to go in. It just didn't really kind of work out. And so I went back to grad school and while I was in grad school, I'd always had this this kind of itch to coach basketball. I love the game of basketball. I played it a lot growing up. And so I just, I always wanted to be around the sport and I just happened to, to go over to a high school one day and reach out to a coach and just say, Hey, you know, I'm in the area. I'm in grad school. I've got a lot of time on my hands when I'm not in school. I would love to, uh, to help you out if you're looking for an assistant. And it just kind of worked out perfectly. It was at Logan County high school in Russellville, Kentucky, uh, Harold Tackett was the head coach. He was a guy that was on the tail end of his career. It was a rebuilding project, and he didn't have a whole lot of funds, but he needed somebody to come in and, and really help out. And so so I took a job as as the J, head JV and uh, ninth grade team basketball coach and was a full-time substitute teacher. And so I was in the building every single day when I wasn't in class with the kids and and and, and picked up, you know, and was able to do that and did that for – for two seasons uh, while I was in grad school and, and just had a, had a blast. Um, and really when I finished, I thought, man, this is something I would love to do full time, but kind of like Kyle, when he was on California, I didn't have a teaching degree. Um, and so I wasn't able to do that full time and my master's wasn't in that. And so ended up having to, to kind of move on, but uh, yeah, that's how, how I kind of got involved uh, with coaching high school ball. Yeah. And basketball is kind of near and dear in, in, in our household. My in-laws are from Indiana. My wife played college basketball. She was a national champion at the AIA level. So she's definitely the the one with the most, uh, you know, bling in the family for sure. I've just got a couple conference championship rings. She's got the, the big one. Nice. So uh, my oldest daughter, who we you met right before the show, uh, she's she loves basketball. She loves sports in general right now. So I'm letting – I'm kind of – it's kind of fun for me because I played basketball when I was a kid, but I don't really know much about the technique and the coaching. So it's, I'm watching my wife, who's never been a coach, discover how to be a coach. And it's, it's kind of neat because she is coming to me about like, like, how do I get this message across? Like, I don't know how to tell her how to do the stuff, but I, I just talked to her about, Hey, if you're talking to him, do this, if you're doing that, you know, recognize this. Cause you know, and she, and she, it's kind of impressive watching her grow from that. Cause she was a fantastic basketball player, wonderful three point shooter. Now watching her teach, you know, I think she just had a third grade team that she coached. I know that's real big, but it's first time coaching for her. So basketball is pretty near and dear in our heart, our heart as well. And as I said, on y'all show, I think I'm actually a bigger Bama basketball fan than I am a football fan. And I'm all jokes aside, I think I always have been a little bit towards X. I've always wa- enjoyed watching them play. Hold up. Yeah. Hold up. You're going to say, I've always been a little, no, you sold it on their show. No, I, I'm a little bit jaded to how many I national championships that we've won. Get out of here. The backhanded con. Yeah, I've always been a little bit more of basketball. No, they just haven't won 15 national championships in the last 20 years. <laughs> Man, Ohio state is salty right now. I mean, it could be worse. It could be Mississippi State. 
Hey, by God, we don't have to chase about like who's got the most nasty shit. We ain't got one. We ain't worried about it. <laughs> <laughs> by God, we got. Barbie I am Bar- a solid six, and I'm good with it. I just own it. <laughs> we we got little Dewey barbecue. Mike knows about little Dewey. Yep, that's absolutely. all we need. Yeah, I it's it's whatever. I, I said all jokes aside to try to get past that, but whatever. Yeah, I did say that on the show because I thought it would be funny and went over like a fart in church, so that wasn't wasn't great at all. So, but that, that's, that's, that's all I'm always interested to hear people, how they got their start. Like I fought against wanting to be a coach my entire life. Cause I was, I was a stereotypical. I didn't want to be that guy. Everyone looked at me in high school and said, Oh, you're going to be a football coach. You're going to do this. And I just, I'm, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. So I, got, I went all the way through college saying, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. I didn't get my teaching degree much like y'all just wasn't going to fight. It. And then coach Wallace said, Hey, uh, we'll give you, we'll continue your scholarship. If you help us coach. And I was like, perfect. I'll, I'll stay and I'll, I'll coach. And then from the first practice on, I fell in love with it. And yes, you're right, Kyle. Co- college is a whole different ballgame because that recruiting aspect of it, which I actually liked because I like talking to people. And it's, it's I actually saw it as a game to try to see. I, I didn't have a high success rate because of NEI, you're trying to talk to these kids instead of going to Memphis as just a student and go party and have fun to try to come to an NEI school and play football. You know, you try to do that. So it was, it was a tough time, but I, I enjoyed that kind of stuff. So I, I liked it. And it was a fun eight years for me while I was doing that. But that's how I got my start. I know, Jonathan, yours was kind of a little more uh, orthodox because you actually hadn't played football at all before you coached. No, I mean, not to not to the level that everybody else on this has. I had dabbled in it a little bit. I was better at a different sport. And pretty much uh, my passion, I wanted to be in, in the front office. I like team building, get it, getting in there and, and playing the business side of things. And uh, probably we'll get into it a little bit later, but had somebody put me in my place a little bit as a, uh, as a mentor in my master's program. And said, "Okay, you're gonna have to get some uh, get some coaching experience." So said, "Hey, let me just uh, reach out to co- some coaches in the area." First one happened to be former Titan Kevin Dyson, who was on the show. Said, "I'll go talk to him. I'm not gonna get a job." A couple meetings later, a couple hours later, I'm like, "Yo, I got a job." So I uh, didn't expect this, and now I'm here. And so, and he he was great to put me up there and stuck around for several years and learned a ton um, and really found that you know. I found my passion. My fa- passion is team building. It doesn't have to necessarily be coaching on a sports field, but coaching in life and in the business world is where I'm at now. But uh, yeah, I kind of stumbled into it. Yeah, it's a great story that, I, that he just kind of the the just the brave uh, that he had just kind of call people up and go do that. I don't think I would have had that same ability when I first was getting trying to get my start. So I've always kind of appreciated that about Jonathan. And he's right. I think that you get into coaching, you do those things because you want to have impact on others. And that's where I wanted to go next with this is I wanted to find out, kind of pick your brains. Is there a player or coach that impacted you the most? And is there like a, a, a one story or kind of a all encompassing statement you could make about him? That's a great question. Um, I guess I'll go first. Um, from from a coach's standpoint, um, you know, I mean, the, the coach that I worked for, kind of like I alluded to, uh, Harold Tackett, he was on the tail end of his career. He was in his late 60s, uh, had had tremendous success uh, across the state of Kentucky in the eastern part, and then had worked his way over to the western part of the state. And, and he had taken on Logan County High School. And when I say it was a rebuilding project, I mean, I think the, the year before him, they won two games. His first year, they won four um, and then I came along and, and we won, I think, eight and 16. Um, and just the stuff that he was able to teach, not about basketball. I mean, I, I kind of had a really a, a pretty good idea about, you know, the, the ins and outs of it and the X's and O's. But, man, just to be able to teach how to connect with kids because, 
you know, we were in a, a very rural, rural area uh, of Kentucky where kids just didn't have a lot. I mean, there were, there were times where we were having to drive to their house 15, 20 minutes away from the school at 5 a.m. to pick them up for morning practice. And they just didn't have a lot. Uh, and so watching him and him really kind of working with us, uh, us coaches on how to build those relationships with those kids to where they trust you and to where they're, you're able to get the most out of them. I think that's without a doubt kind of the biggest thing that I learned uh, in coaching is just how to, you can't just go in and start barking orders at a kid that you just met two days ago because that kid doesn't know you. They don't respect you yet. And they don't know what you're, they don't know if you have their best interest in mind or not. And so to be able to kind of build those relationships first and then start working on that stuff is, is kind of what I learned from him from the players. The whole time I was there, I kind of saw myself as like a, a big brother. Uh, I was, like I said, I was in grad school. So I was just a few, you know, no more than probably six years out of high school and so, you know, I didn't have that relationship with them. Like I was always looking down on them or being hard on them. I would let the head coach do that. And then I'd go, you know, walk down the bench and put my arm around them and say, you know, come on, let's get this going. Um, and I think that really, I think that was a good thing for them to have kind of that good cop, bad cop. Uh, and for me to be able to kind of be that person for them. Um, and a lot of them, I know, you know, mentioned that they appreciated that. So I think those would be kind of the things that, that stood out to me. Yeah. Um, I had three coaches. I'm sitting here as I, I, I was only going to talk about one, but then I started going like, well, no, there was another one before that. And there was another before that. Um, so I'll, I will mention all three. Um, I put pads on for the first time in the seventh grade. And when you got to the eighth grade, I had an offensive line coach named Scott Chavers, who was fantastic. Uh, Mike's nodding his head because he, he knew coach Chavers cause we went to the same middle school and I'm sure you had him in, in class. I forget what he taught, but doesn't matter. Um, but, uh, he, he made practice fun and I was able to take that from him. I get to high school, um, and my, my O-line coach is Brad Embry. Um, and Embry taught me how to work. So I could, I knew I wanted to have fun all the time. Cause I learned that in middle school. Embry taught me how to work and get better and drill something until it's perfect. Not just when it's good enough, but when it's perfect, um, and then I get to junior college and I have Buddy Collins who was able to put all of that together and show me ways that I could make practice. You know, it, it was, it was weird. Like practice was more difficult than a game. And, and Ron, I'm sure you remember this from playing up at, I think you played at Lambeth as well as coaching there. Um, you probably had the same thing where you were, you felt like practice was harder than the game, but it was, practice was much more enjoyable than say practice in high school because it never stopped. You were constantly moving, constantly working on something, constantly doing something. Um, and, and so I took those three and kind of tried to mold myself. I don't think I was as good as any of those three at what they were good at, but I think I did a good job putting those three together. Um, and, and to me, that's what, those three kind of made me want to get into coaching. And then those three kind of molded the way I tried to coach as, as I did what I did. Yeah. I think, you know, I really sympathize with what you're saying. You have so many coaches, it's hard to kind of choose one. Um, for me, it was really an off the field thing. And it was really one moment that, that changed everything for me. And I talked about the guy who impacted me as kind of my, my, he came from coaching football and was a, a professor in school. He put me on the board as a, uh, I call myself a snot nosed, you know, young kid in, in, in uh, school there in college. 
And you know, you go around thinking everybody thinks they got that that male hubris about they, they got it figured out. Well, this guy put me in my place a little bit, and that's that's kind of what you need when you're younger. I go into a coach's office, say, "Hey, I, I just need to get my foot in the door. I know so much about things. I know so much. I just need to get my foot in my door and an opportunity." Okay, cool. Get on that whiteboard and start drawing plays. Okay. Things start, uh, things start going in a different direction there real quick. You start to put your money where your mouth is right there. And that's where it really came into perspective. Everybody that kind of knows me knows I have a little bit of a competitive streak. Um, I, I don't I don't like to be embarrassed or and especially don't like to lose. So um, to, to do that, that's something that still drives me to this day. I won't go into a place where uh, I don't I, I don't feel equipped. That's probably the last time I've been that badly embarrassed in front of somebody. But it's still a drive because I had made sacrifices to get to that just to go down that route. It was, hey, choose business and whatever or go chase a passion. And so to be put there it was, hey, I. Oh crap! Did I make a bad decision? So <laughs> like, I I done screwed up. Uh, but that's really what drove me to go find things. Which in the end, f- I needed that to kind of grow up, kind of thing. Um, and so that was probably the most impactful for me. It had nothing to do really with sports directly, but from a coaching mentality. And I think we talked with Dyson about that that personal connection. It's not always just what you teach in the X's and O's, but actually taking that sort of connection with the player themselves. Because some people. Hey, they could be the most developed athlete. They got other things going on. You got to be able to coach them, not just on a hand placement whenever you're, you know, rushing or something like that. So uh, that that was probably the one that really got me. Yeah, and, and just to speak to his competitiveness just for a second, I've really learned over our friendship too. If he starts digging in on a subject, then I need to shut my mouth and realize I'm wrong because he's gonna <laughs> he's about to hit me with some stat he learned back in, uh, you know, 10 years ago that he's got still stuck in his head and that when I can't remember eight minutes ago. So I'm just like, all right, but the problem is I'm also stubborn, so I'm dumb and stubborn, which is a horrible combination when you're getting into arguments with people. So, you know, but I, I can speak to that. He, he definitely has that competitive drive, and you get that along the way, and you learn, you know, that it's more about the person. You're not just coaching technique. You're coaching for a life, and and, and for me, like I mentioned him earlier, he gave me my first shot, Coach Vic Wallace out of Lambeth University. He's a legendary coach. He was, he's probably – one of the foremost offensive line guys in the country uh, for what he knows and what he teaches. And he really knows that pro eye and the power counter stuff. And that's where I got my cut my chops with him learning the zone and play action off of that. And he, and he just, he could speak to every level and you talk to even, even some of the best coaches don't really speak to every level to the depth that coach Wallace could. He knew everything. And the thing that kind of changed my, like I said, I was reluctant to get into it. I fell in love with it after I started it, but he would sit me down and we would go over stuff and, of course, he had his little sayings. We'd go through things, and I found myself talking about everything. He just kind of stopped. He put his he put the, his glasses down. He looked at me. And he said, "You know what, Ryan?" And he sat there and he paused for like ten seconds. And I was like, "Am I getting fired my my second month here? What's going on?" He goes, "You don't give yourself enough credit for how much you know this sport and how quickly you have come you have adapted into being a coach and how quickly you picked this up." He says, "I'm you know." He was like. You're kind of a natural at it. I don't know if he was fluffing me up or whatever, or but to me, I went from doubting myself, uh, thinking I couldn't do this in that moment that someone who I thought was probably a genius when it comes to football was telling me I was picking it up and I understood the concepts and that he was impressed with me. You know, is is the basis here. I know I said a weird thing there, but but that was that that for me was a big moment for me and told me. Maybe I should do this a little bit because I was kind of thinking about, you know, I'll just do this for this year and I'm going to go on. And that turned into me sticking around with Lambeth a couple of years, then ended up at University of North Alabama and, 
that's what got me into coaching. So it's, you look back and that was the impactful part was, was just one conversation with him that completely turned how I looked at my career and how I was going about it. So it's those weird things where you like, Kyle, like you were saying, where you just, one thing could lead to, it could be multiple coaches across it, but it could be just those one things that, that, that you remember and lead you down that path. And it's always good to kind of go back and look at those things. So, but as far as memorable moments, I wanted to kind of touch on this is just, do you have a on the field or off the field memorable moment that sticks out to you the most? Cause I'm always curious about this. Cause for me, my most memorable moments aren't always a game situation or things like that. So I'm always curious to talk to people about what they remember the most or what sticks out to them the most. If was it on the field or was it off the field? So the, on the field is, is easy. And, and there's, there's one that, that is obvious. I had, and I know Mike's going to be like, of course, Kyle's going to talk about something great that he did. But um, I have been a part of a state championship team as a coach. And so obviously that sticks out. But my first year coaching, um, I, I ended up at that small D3 school and they were, they had won two games the previous year. Um, and we ended up five and four the year I was there. We, uh, the, before I took over the offensive line, I'd love to say it's all me and I'm going to say it's all me right now. And then I'll fix that in a minute. Um, it was all me. We went from dead last or second to last in, in the conference in rushing to second in the conference in rushing. Um, in that year, uh, a lot of that's because we went from a spread offense to running triple option. Our offensive coordinator played for Troy, is it Cal, Troy Calhoun? That's not his name. Uh, the uh, DeBerry, Fisher DeBerry. There we go. Um, but Fisher DeBerry over at Air Force, and he's all over Air Force's record book as one of the wingbacks. So he, that was the offense we ran. And, of course, we're going to jump up in rushing yards uh, with, with that offense. But um, uh, uh, that team – we uh, the 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 cool thing about that school it's called the Pomona schools um, or the Claremont schools Claremont colleges um, and there's five schools there's Claremont Mud Scripps Pomona and Pitzer and Claremont Mud and Scripps have an athletic department Pomona and Pitzer have an athletic department and it's cool because the closest geographical rivalry in the NCAA are those two schools you can stand on one field and hear somebody screaming on the other field they got ready in their locker room and walked the probably tenth of a mile to to our field um uh, on game day and and winning that game and i don't know why it was such a big deal they play for the peace pipe but winning that game was just I mean, it was awesome and i remember that uh just so vividly and the faces on the guys that i coached when when that game was over because that was the third time that was the three p um it was it was a big deal so, Cal, I've never heard about this peace pipe. I mean, so what did you guys do with the peace pipe once you won it? <laughs> it, it, was, it was a fake peace pipe. But I will tell you, I will tell you that the the off the field memorable moment also came from this. And when we had the end of the year, and I'm not kidding you the, uh, with this, the end of the year like uh, celebration or banquet or whatever you want to call it. Um, I got a bag uh, of gifts from the, the, the guys I coach, which was interesting because I was 23 at the time. And these guys are, you know, between 18 and 23, but they got me gifts. Like I'm their coach. Right. And it was, it's, it, it was a really cool deal. One of those gifts was a pinup calendar and not just any pinup calendar. 
a pinup calendar where they were the models. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> One of them drove a motorcycle and he was leaned over the motorcycle in Daisy Dukes. One of them for, I think he was September. So it was fall. Hey, I swear to you, he got naked in the quad at the school. They strategically placed leaves over his body and took a picture. That's awesome. <laughs> that's spectacular. That's like, oh, just, my gosh. Not, it is It is in a box. I'm never getting rid of that thing. It is oh fantastic. My, Michael, I don't know how you're going to top peace pipes and pinups. That's the, uh, Yeah, I was going to say, uh, there may have been some pipes around our, our uh, <laughs> locker room, but uh, I don't think they're... Water they're pipes, right? Pipes. Water. That, exactly. That yes, still works. Uh, that's right. Yeah, it's uh, good plumbing. Um, no, so, uh, man, yeah, that is going to be hard to type. And then you started talking about bags, and I was thinking, is this dime bags? Nickel, you know, what are we doing? Um, <laughs> So family friendly of, podcast. That's right. Um, so not terms, what we're on. No, yeah, obviously. <laughs> and these these are the dads. Uh, <laughs> much, you know. Um, so in terms of some stories on and off the field, um, the the one that's oddly enough that's that's on. Well, I've got, I've got two kind of really quickly. The one that's that's kind of on the field. One of them is is actually as off the field for me or off the court, uh, and that was the year after I left. Um, like I said, before I got there, I think they had won two two games and then four games a year right the year right before, and then we we I think we won eight and then sixteen my my second year, and then the year after I left, uh, the team had really kind of peaked. We had a, a player that was getting recruited by D one schools. He was a senior, um, and. Um, the one thing that we had really failed to do during my time there is we had a crosstown rival, uh, the Russellville Panthers, that we just we we were better than every single game, but we just could not get over that hump to finally beat them. Um, and so uh, the year after I was there, uh, after I'd already left, I was in the area because my parents lived close by, and and they were playing one Friday night, and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go and watch it. Uh, it's a home game for Logan County. I think it'd be kind of cool to go back and see some of the kids and. So I went and uh, I mean, I literally think it was about an eight or nine game winning streak uh, that Russellville had and uh, they finally got over the hump. And so, you know, just sitting in the stands, uh, but to be able to see the joy on those kids faces and on Coach Tackett's face and the whole staff uh, and to be able to go down there and celebrate with them after it was over with, that was by far one of the, the coolest moments. The other one was the year before that uh, when I, it was my second year there, uh, every summer we went to Georgetown college uh, to their summer camp and, and, this was a pretty wide in the state of Kentucky. This is a pretty widely known. This it's a it's a big time team camp where you know people take their teams during the summer. And oh yeah, because that Cincinnati Bengals put in a nice complex there. Yes, and uh, you know we had never really had a whole lot of success uh, at that tournament, but we felt like going into that next year, we really had a team that could really compete for the district and the region. Um, and we went to the, the the tournament that summer or the camp that summer and made it all the way to the championship game. And we lost the championship game, but I remember that what uh, what our coach said um, there uh, right after the game was, "Gentlemen, we have arrived. Like we we had never even come close to making that in in the year that I was there before and the years before that. Um, and we had beaten a couple of teams that were in our region that we knew we were better than and we could compete with. Uh, and so that was a really cool moment to see the, see the kids starting to really realize, okay, all the hard work we've been putting in for the past two or three years. I mean, some of these kids have started since they were freshmen and now we're juniors and seniors. This is going to pay off. Uh, and so that was, 
that was really cool. I think the off the, the, the court stuff or off the field, you know, I, I referenced it earlier. Um, we had a lot of kids that lived uh, a good 15 or 20 minutes away from the school and they took the bus to school. They didn't have any way to get to the school other than a bus. And so on mornings where we'd have, you know, 6 a.m. practices, it was up to us to get them there. Or if there was snow and school was out, we had to go pick them up. And so, you know, I just remember a couple of, a couple of times and going and, and driving out in the middle of nowhere, uh, middle of Kentucky, uh, and picking up kids from their from their homes, and at five o'clock in the morning, and having to call them when I get to their house and saying, "Are you awake? It's time to go." Um, and then just having those conversations with them on the way to school, like, you know, are you mentally prepared for today? Are you ready to go this morning? You know, we need to. I know it's early, but we need to be ready to go because we got a big game on Friday, and we got to get prepared. And just having those conversations, but then also just like, you know, what's going on with school? You know, what's what's going on in your personal life? How are your parents doing? Those types of things, and. I think that's one of the biggest things I'll take away is just having those moments again at, when it's dark out in the middle of the morning, uh, driving a kid from 20 minutes in and just, just having a connection with them and saying, Hey, how are you other than, you know, I, I can see, you know, how to put a ball in a hoop, but mm-hmm. other than that, like, how are you doing and what's right. going on in your life and uh, what can I help you with? Right. This is, this is so much more about just like teaching fundamentals. That, that That's a big part of it. Don't get me wrong, but it's these personal connections you get, those things you remember. And I guarantee you that those kids who you picked up and had those conversations with cherish a lot of those and have fond memories of that because they you know, people were caring about them. People were talking to them. I'm not saying they didn't have that at home too, but it was a stranger who was also showing them, you know, that, that, that other people cared for them and probably had a big impact on their life too. So that's, that is a really cool story as well. Um, my, one of my, my best moments actually involves Georgetown college. Uh, oddly enough that you brought that up because they were in our conference. They were the top dogs in our conference. They beat us every year when I was, when I was playing at Lambeth, my first year as a coach, uh, we were really good. Um, we just got to get, had to get me off the team, I guess. Uh, so we, we, Georgetown came to Lambeth and as for the first time in my career in college, we finally beat Georgetown to clinch the conference championship that year. It was just a big moment. I remember one of my best friends at the time who was a linebacker who was also coaching with me um, in his first year. He had been there at the same time as a player. We never beat him. So for us, we just immediately found each other when we were running out there going, oh, my God, I can't believe this. We had nothing to do with the game really playing-wise, but we felt like this was owed to us as people because we finally – a team we were part of finally beat the, the mighty Georgetown. So yeah, that's, that's kind of funny you brought that up. And my only other story is at Lambeth as well. We had a senior named Kyle Williams, whose dad figured out he had a year of eligibility left for his son's senior year, enrolled at Lambeth and actually came out and, and joined the team. He'd lost a ton of weight, started working out. And now I, I'm not going to say he came in and started because he didn't. He was on the practice team, and but he showed up every day. And here's a 44-year-old man, showed up every day, Never complained, didn't make a whole lot of the travel teams. In fact, I think he only went on one trip the whole year. So he dressed out for a lot of the home games. And in the last home game of the year, I got to go and tell Kyle and his dad that they were going to go in and play offensive line together at the same time. And I remember just watching them get to share that moment. And it wasn't even in my moment, but just watching them go out there and do that was just always real special to me and will always uh, kind of hang there with me. Apparently they were, they were making a movie about it. Kevin James was going to star in it at some point in time as the older uh, parent coming into play. I haven't seen a lifetime or anything come up. So maybe we'll see that on the screen one day. That's an amazing story. 
That's awesome, yeah. I have comments that I'll withhold. <laughs> uh, Kevin James took that down a different path, for sure. <laughs> like, yeah. It's the feel-good m- m- uh, movie of the summer, starring yeah, Kevin yeah. James and well, Paul Blart, Mall, Mall Cop 3. Um, <laughs> Paul Blart goes to college, yeah. <laughs> plays football. Anyway. Uh, yeah, no, I think on the field, I, the, the Rudy moment, and Kyle, you may actually remember this. We had a player that was playing... Um, he played corner safety. They moved him down to linebacker because they kept saying that he was not going to play anywhere and said, screw it, the kid's a wrestler, kid uh, understands leverage, got a quick first step, we'll put him at nose tackle for all things. And uh, you were offensive line coach, I think, I remember this year. Uh, won't, won't say names here, but uh, the opportunity for him, and it's truly the Rudy moment because it was, was kind of like a, a one-game experiment kind of thing but the kid just wanted a shot and understood it so go up up against a team that's a pretty heavy passing concept get in there have a good not great nose tackle for most of the game we're running a uh, you know a three-man front so true nose tackle guy is holding his own center gets you know kind of the the pace of the game down uh, second half decide, okay, cool, we're going to put this kid in there. And I'll tell you what, it was almost like we stumbled into it a little bit. So kid ends up with three and a half sacks in the second half, and very much I was expecting like the team to show up handing in their jerseys saying this is for him to play next game kind of thing. <laughs> well, but, uh, what I'm going to say is it's good that you didn't do it in the first half because if he had done that in the first half, he probably would have had the other offensive line coach screaming sounds when he thought he was screaming words because there was a smaller nose tackle that was hard to block. I will explain that story because I'm sure it's going to get brought up. No, we would never bring up a certain high school halftime speech ever. (laughs) Ever. (laughs) Ever. (laughs) The best off the field story though, and the, Everybody, almost everybody here, sorry, Michael, had a little bit of a role in this. This was my favorite story ever, which was, uh, so decided we were going to have a celebration because we had just won a district championship as coaches, and so he decided to have a small gathering at a uh, small uh, establishment. A couple of beverages had been had. Nothing nothing too inappropriate. No peace pipes. No, no peace pipes. By the way, <laughs> peace, peace pipe. Peace Pipe and uh, Pinups is 100% the podcast name. I'm just saying we're, we're, we're done. That's, 100, that, that's just Thank a done you. deal. Thanks business for, business decision. Thank you for that. Um, so as we're leaving, one, pe- one person here uh, named my co-host, Mr. Watson, decides he wants to show off his brand new uh, remote starter. <laughs> this, so this has been several years. <laughs> decides he wants to be to show off this remote starter that he has installed on his, what is it, a Bronco? A uh, Tahoe. A Tahoe. And so sure enough, he's like, I got this. I got this. Let me, let me remote start it. Dead. Dead. Bricks the car. <laughs> Will not start. So you have four... We talked about male hubris earlier with a couple of my story with my other story. I said, so we have four dudes say, oh, we, we got this. Nobody knows anything about cars. Like none of <laughs> no, us. No, nice. no, no, so no. we're like, no, we can fix this. No problem. <laughs> Meanwhile, so we sit out there for like two hours. Well, what freezing. Yeah. Freezing cold. Um, may have been a good decision that none of us were driving before that, but it's fine. Everybody was perfectly sober by the time we got behind the wheel of a car. Oh, yeah. But what was missed here was I had about an hour drive home, and right before this moment happened, I was calling my then girlfriend slash fiance to say, hey, I'm leaving right now. Phone dead. So three hours later, and I'm not there. <laughs> With no way to contact me. Uh, yeah, that was a fun conversation when I walked in the door. <laughs> no, it's okay. There's a, no, that was when I you don't even fight. You like walk in and you just say, no, you're right. 
I done screwed up. I completely get where you're coming from. You're good. I'm just going to sleep on the couch. We're good. So that that's also one of my favorite stories. And I'm glad you brought it up because Kyle was there and I, and, um, Oh, Burns was there as well. And I, my, I think my favorite moment from while we're sitting around the car and we're just kind of staring at it. There was dead silence for like a good two minutes. And finally castles just goes, well, I see your problem. And I'm, and I'm, I'm thinking, Oh, he's figured it out. Great. He just goes, damn thing. Won't start. <laughs> I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. You may be onto something there. So my wife was eight months pregnant with our first child at the time we did this. And I had told her I was coming home. I, I don't think my phone died. I just didn't text her again to let her know what was going on. So we had to back the truck back in. And we're kind of talking about, well, who's going to take idiot home <laughs> after he bricked his car? And we're kind of looking around and Burns had to go to Nashville. You had to go to Murfreesboro and Castles just, when he realized it was him, he just kind of goes, sure, your wife can't go get you. <laughs> Since she's eight months pregnant, I'm not getting her out of bed. And he just let this long <sighs> sigh out. And I just felt so bad because we, we were what, 30 seconds from your house, maybe a oh, minute. Yeah. And you had to drive past it. I remember, I mean, we're driving down 65 to Spring Hill and you just kind of, there's my, there's my apartment right there. That's where I live. Just rubbing you, salt you see it? It's right there. <laughs> <laughs> he dropped me off. I got out of the cross. Thanks. Appreciate it. He goes, uh-huh. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> and they actually, yeah, they never spoke okay, again okay. until this in, podcast. In my defense, I had been drinking. Mm-hmm. I had sobered up. It mm-hmm. was bedtime. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. Everybody just exhausted at that oh, point. I, I, tired. I, everyone had the every right in the world to be mad at me, to not ever speak to me again. I, I was like, I felt so dumb in that moment that happened. And, and it just... Yeah. This is really just how good of a person Kyle is because yeah. <laughs> I would have had zero, zero remorse. It's like, that's cool. Your your truck's really cool. You can sleep in the back of it. We out. <laughs> I was going to say, too. I'm shocked that yeah. Kyle drove you. Uh, he did. God, like, why is this? Uh, you yeah, begrudgingly cool. took me. You know it too. Could you just you did it because you knew nobody, everybody else had already said dibs. I'm out. <laughs> That's true. I, I, I didn't get my finger in my nose on those ghosts. I was already in the car halfway to Murfreesboro. By the hey, time Watson, you I, figured it out. How, hey Watson, how you getting home? See you. Okay, Good this, luck. This makes no sense. Draper has known me since fifth grade. I think you know, like you would not still be my friend if I was a bad guy. Kyle, I just put up with you, man. I just put up with you. We've discussed this. I mean, I didn't no. have a whole lot of options. I'd moved to a new city. You and didn't have a whole like, lot of options, but I didn't start naming names. Who's this, who's this guy? <laughs> I guess, you know, he goes to my church. Okay, we go to the same school. Okay, he likes wrestling. Okay, all right, we'll just, we'll just go with him. He'll be all right. You know, thank you, Drew Fruget, for introducing me to this dude, this bald dude. <laughs> thank you for censoring yourself there, because I heard something else coming out. Yeah, the really funny part is we're already an explicit podcast, but we'll just keep him going. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so I think we said damn the first show. We got the explicit rating. We've never been able to shake it. Like, I just like, because we, we were talking about a beaver dam or something. I don't know. <laughs> we got popped with it. But um, so that was an embarrassing moment for me, and probably one of mine as a coach. My car wouldn't start. We're sitting out there. Do, do any of you? Y'all have any embarrassing moments either yourself or you witnessed from being a coach uh, that just kind of stuck with you like the biggest cringe moment you just it sticks with you like at 3 a.m you wake up thinking oh gosh why am i thinking about this moment from 10 years ago because that doesn't happen to me at all yeah yeah i'm good i'm gonna jump in on this one Go ahead. um was i was easy. at one <laughs> I, I was at one trust me i have plenty of embarrassing stories but i'll tell this one i was at uh at, at, at a high school coaching and um 
the kid, uh, I didn't have to do anything like weight room wise. They did that during the school day. Um, and one of those periods, they had a zero period before school. And I was walking into school one day and uh, my first year there, and, and we were, um, and they were walking out. And I was talking to one of the defensive linemen, you know, hey, Phil, what's going on? And, you know, Boren Watson, y'all know me when I was coaching, like I was, I was very hands on. I'd, I'd kind of wrestle with the guys and, and, use that as a way to try and teach leverage and hand placement and all that stuff, even when we weren't on the field. And so the kid kind of got, uh, started doing that. And I was just going to kind of let him do what he wanted to do. And cause I, it was, it was early and I wasn't trying to play. Um, well, I didn't realize there was a backpack behind me and my foot slipped. I basically did the splits and split my pants. And I, and, and while that is embarrassing enough that like a, a kid, a high school kid, like pushed me into a wall and I split my pants doing the splits and all that kind of stuff. This is a high school. There are cameras everywhere. <laughs> I got pulled out of class that day and said, you got to come down to the SRO's office because you got to watch this. This is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You know, this is on YouTube somewhere, right? You've just been too embarrassed to go oh, search I, for it. I guarantee it's out there. <laughs> But it was uh, it was fun. It was fun. But that was embarrassing. Splitting your pants in front of everybody. That was embarrassing. Ah, ah you recovered probably. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, do you have any embarrassing stories that you either witnessed or was, experienced yourself? I was going to say, I was trying to think of some that I that I remember that I was a part of. I'm sure there were some. I, I do remember one where I, I forgot the the clipboard, like the coach's clipboard uh, back at our school for an away game. And, and, and our head coach let me have it pretty good uh, when we got in the locker room that, that day. But I think by far the most embarrassing or most just like, dude, really moment was it was at that same uh, Georgetown camp I was telling, talking about in my second year and our ninth grade coach, um, great guy, Tim Arnold, uh, shout out, but guy had a little bit of a temper. Uh, he, he was he maybe a little bit too competitive for summer league games uh, and he got tossed at a summer league uh, game at a summer camp. Uh, two technicals and out of there. Um, and on the way out, uh, he starts doing push-ups on the floor uh, just to get at the ref uh, because I guess he wanted our Show players him. to – Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I don't really get this. So I had to step in. Uh, but I, I gave him so much crap the rest of the day. I was like, yeah, Tim, that's great. But at least I didn't get kicked out of a summer league game, uh, you know, up, up back this past summer. And, and again, you know, we, the, all the coaches got together that night – and we were just kind of sitting there and kind of going over the day and, and talking about kind of what was coming up. And, and our head coach just goes, um, so so are we even going to address what happened today or are we just going to kind of let that roll? And Tim was like, yeah, sorry about that. He was like, dude, like if you're going to get kicked out of a game, get kicked out of a game that means something. Like earn it somehow. <laughs> Don't do this at, some, at, at a summer camp. Uh, so that was without a doubt one of the most like boneheaded, like are you kidding me moments. It's that, that and, and again, a ninth grade tournament at a summer camp. Lots were on the line for sure. Like a big trophy I imagine was there for the winner. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Recruit, think- recruits, uh, you know, scouting. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, coaches yeah. there scouting the, the ninth grade kids and, you know, he was he was getting ready for his big breakout as a head coach. Oh, as well. for sure, so, yeah. for sure. This is, yeah. by the way, that's my one goal to not be as a parent. 
Like, don't be that guy. Don't be that parent at a game. Like, that's it. Anything anything <laughs> that is not there, I'm good. I succeeded. Uh, my most embarrassing story wasn't really about me. The most embarrassing thing about me is just being me and coaching. So uh, as far as it, there was a small little prank um, in the coach's office when we were coaching that um, was more embarrassing for the other person. Um so we had one computer in this entire in this entire coach's office, and it was very valuable to one coach, just one coach, especially the printer onto it. And look, I work in IT now, so there are certain things that like I was pretty good at, but this one wasn't. I'm not even proud of it. It was so simple, but so effective. Um, so I would go in every single day. And I would pull the power plug out of the printer just enough that it wouldn't get power, but then leave it there. So anybody that looks at it, you would think like everything is still there. And I, I kid you not, this this coach would come in every single day and just slam the slam the table like prints are not working anymore. And I'm just sitting there like, man, I don't I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know if he ever actually discovered what I was doing or if I just got bored of it. It just carried on so incredibly long. But it's like you were just kicking this man's puppy every single day. And it was just like the passion and the, the personal attachment he had to a printer. It's it's um, it, it almost brings a tear to my eye how, 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 how emotionally attached this man was to that printer. But that was easily the most embarrassing thing that I've ever witnessed about uh, about two months into that, I, I've decided to take a crack at doing something to that computer too. And I stopped after his reaction because he was already mad about that. <laughs> and I flipped the orientation on the monitor. Like I, I flipped the screen and he opened it up and he slams the keyboard down and just like, I can't believe this computer. This is broken now. And stormed out of the room. And I went, that's the last time I'm doing that. All right. So I went back and I flipped it back and I was like, all right, we're done here. So goodness, I'm sure Kyle, you may have a story too about the same coach. Cause that, that whole year was just, ugh. so I, I was not like y'all. I'm a good person. Shut up. <laughs> I did you not. Stop, you stop lying. No, 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 I did everything to not be around that. guy. Yes, you did. Okay. I will agree with that. So, so I just avoided him. My favorite one story, though, because that was a good one, because I remember watching it going, oh, my God, he's so mad about this. But my favorite one was I was I was working a full-time job. So on game days, I would work longer hours to make up for the days that I had come to practice early and, and gotten off work. So I showed up to the games a little later. I walk in the door, and I can't remember if it was, if it was born, if it was you, Castles Burns, but one of you three looked at me and said, hey, Watson, headsets aren't working. I was like, why not? Someone didn't charge him. And I said, who the f didn't charge the GD headsets? It's so easy. It's one job. And and <laughs> not knowing anything else that had been going on he 10, 15, right next to 15 me. minutes, he, he flips whatever was in front of him up in the air. He slams his head. This guy slams his head on the, the mini fridge we had in there and says, okay, it was me. My daughter's sick. She may be dying. She had the flu or something. I'm not really sure. She got 107 fever. I'm not thinking straight. And then slams the door on his way out. And I, just, I looked at everybody. I was like, the hell did I just walk into? And they said, we, and y'all both looked at me and said, we have been ribbing him for 15 minutes. And you came in and you had no clue, but you couldn't have put a better exclamation point on this. Thank you. No, I'll tell you who said it. And that's because of all of us that were in that office and maybe all of us that have ever been in that office. 
Burns is the biggest asshole. Oh, for sure. What? There is no conscience. There is none. He's the one that said it. It was Burns, yeah. He, he knew what to do to trigger me because he knew, like, my whole, because I had a whole speech earlier in the year about how it's an, it's a small detail, but we have to have those headsets charged mm-hmm. because it's the only communication between the bot, blah, 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 blah. So he knew that would get me because it was a pet peeve of mine. And, and sure enough, I played my part, apparently, in that. I remember thinking, what in the hell did I just watch? And what, what just went on in here? And then y'all let me in. I was like, oh my God, okay. I feel kind of bad now, but whatever. That was also no. the infamous game where he was talking about seeing bright lights in the team meeting when he was talking to his guys. Guys, you got to play hard because I'm just seeing bright lights fly past my head. Lord, just, he's a Chris Farley character and I just all connected for me. He's like, he's, I'm, I'm just seeing the roles and he's talking about. Just, no, 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 no. That's where you're wrong, Born. He's he's an unfunny Chris Farley character. Yeah, but he's like the, he's like the, the uh, what's a discount store? Like the Kmart Chris Farley or something. <laughs> you, the you blue light special. Yeah. This show. He's never going to listen to another show. He's going to listen to this show and be like, I hate all three of them. <laughs> well, oh. I mean, if we hey, didn't make it clear we were coaching with him. Hey, hey I'll, I'll put it right out there on the podcast. We, we, Ryan and I ran into him at one point. And <laughs> you did. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we had driven to the store together and uh, he had got made his purchase before I did it and had been walking out and he got caught by him and he was talking to him. I, oh. I, I, I kid you not, I did not make eye contact with Ryan. I just walked right on by. He was riding with me to leave. <laughs> I just left him. His gate didn't break. That dude hit the door and was gone. And, I, and then I'm left there talking, holding the bag essentially. And he's literally, like, you literally had your grocery holding bag. the bag. And he's sitting there just like, oh, was that Jonathan? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> And he was probably decked out head to toe in blue and gold, right? Oh, that's, I think that's uh, windbreaker. Got. It was a windbreaker. If I, yes. Or if it was sweatpants. I can't remember. Those were the only two. Blue pants. Blue pants. Oh, my God. So, yeah, I mean, and that's in these in these stories, hopefully we're making this funny for other people listening because it's just, it's, that's, those are the things about coaching when you yeah. get into things and, and and experience these, these little, that's what I meant earlier when I said the things that always I remember the most is the off the field stuff, like the camaraderie between the coaches, the, the the friendships you build, because you're you're spending so much time together, and you have to make these kind of jokes. And I hate making jokes against other people. Maybe that's not the best thing, but we had a lot of times, and we took our own shots as well. You know, Castles and I both coaching offensive line. I think you and I were constantly ribbing each other about stuff, and um, the the one. You're they, fat, no, yeah, fat. I mean, it was well. We were offensive linemen. We we, we were we were kinder well, we darts, you know. So, but my favorite though, I also just we kind of talked about it earlier, and since you brought it up, we'll go ahead and talk about it. Was at Hillsboro High School, and uh, we weren't I, and, we were not getting out of this without telling the story. <laughs> just I awesome. knew this one was coming up. Do you want to tell it? Do you want me to tell it? Do you want me you, to tell you it tell you your part, tell and I'll kick in with what happened for me. Okay, so we play. We are playing at Hillsboro High School in Nashville, Tennessee, and they are the Burroughs. Burroughs, for anyone who couldn't understand that. Hey, look, look, yeah, getting a little too cultured up in here. <laughs> look, you're the one dropping the word hubris. Like, everybody uses that word in regular conversation. Yeah, I don't, I don't even I don't even know what like happened you. there. Oh, man. I didn't know what I mean. I was like, I'm glad I wasn't on the show, on our show with y'all, because he did. Your offensive lineman is showing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyways, so we're playing the Burroughs up there, and, and uh, they have a nose – Guard. He he was he was a. This is coach's corner. I can get a little bit deeper into the wood into the weeds. They were an even front. He was an a gap nose guard. Um, you don't have to be a bigger body because you don't have to two gap it. He was a penetrating nose guard. Little small guy. We I don't know that we touched him the first half. Nope. 
I don't know that we touched him. Ryan, you were in the box. You had a better better eyesight than I did. I don't yep. think we touched I remember his number, 56. 56 back yeah. there again. 56. Guys, 50, got to get 56. It, Castles. Castles, 56. <laughs> and hearing that number in my head the whole first half, knowing that we get nothing going on the ground, nothing going on offense the first half because we can't block this guy. And guys, understand, he's probably – Five, six, five, seven, maybe 165, 170 pounds. Maybe. Is that fair? Maybe. maybe. Maybe he's not even that big. He's yeah. tiny. Yeah. I completely lose my mind. I mean, you, usually when people say that, they're like, oh, like the coach yelled and he screamed. Like, yeah, I was yelling and screaming. I wasn't making words. And no. I realized it about halfway through <laughs> my speech that it just was coming out like, rah, 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 rah. <laughs> That's what it was. So you transformed into Coach O, is what you're saying? <laughs> no, no, because you can understand words from Coach O. This was just, this was like Egyptian hieroglyphs coming out of his mouth. There was no sense nice. whatsoever to it. Speaking in tongues. And he was oh, screaming yeah. at them. His face was red. And he just was just seething. And just, and finally, <laughs> he looks at me and because I'm the other officer. I go, Coach Watson, tell him something. And I just go, <laughs> and I sit there. I'm like, and I, my initial thought was like, where did the hell does he want me to go with this? I don't, I don't know what the hell he just said. And so I literally just, just the guys to break the tension. Cause they just got screamed at by this six, three monster. And I said, all right, I don't know what in the F he just said, guys, I'm gonna be honest with you, but what I think he was trying to say. And so then I, I calmly go through the mechanics of what they have to do on certain plays and why we're getting beat. And afterwards we're all sitting there after the kids go up and I just look at him and said, you, you okay, buddy. <laughs> The best part about this is like this is not even like one of those schools that there's like an away locker room. This is happening in a parking lot. Oh next, yeah, next to the school buses. For God's sake, right behind the stands with all the parents. Yeah, Thank God they couldn't understand me because I'm sure the words yeah, were not. I'm with the DBs at this point, and I'm pretty sure I just like pause. It's like, you know what? We're just gonna take a lesson here. Whatever he's going, <laughs> like, there's no point in trying. My favorite part is he kicks it to me to add to whatever he just <laughs> yes. said. And I went, "What a transition! Thank you, <laughs> thank you, sir." I have some eloquent points you made there. I'm glad we could understand every bit of it. I mean, it's, it, it was no, to me. I knew, I knew, real time. I was like, I am not saying words here, but I'm not gonna stop. <laughs> I'm just not. You were committed. I'll tell you that because I remember. The, I remember. I can't remember if, if Justin Alexander was there or not, or who else was with standing I think with he was us. There, yeah. And he just kind of slowly looks at me halfway through your speech, and I just shrugged my shoulders. I was like, I don't know. Let's just give him a second, and we'll we'll clean it up. <laughs> at that point, I couldn't help it. I, I had lost all sense of everything. I had to get it out. I got it out. I walked away to cool off and I knew you would clean it up for me. Cause yeah, well, we, we had a good, we had a good coaching relationship when it came to that because, because yeah. you, you, we had such different styles when it came to coaching, but they both kind of uh, married up quite nicely for, for the guys. And we kind of split up the guard centers, tackles, all that good stuff. And we both had a wealth of, of experience and knowledge to bring to them. And I dare say there wasn't a better offensive line combo in the state at the time. So <laughs> hey, look, that offensive line and, and, uh, I, I think you'll agree with this. There was not much talent at all. There wasn't uh, any size. Even the they, talent they wasn't talent. strong. Yeah. But, man, we got a lot out of that group. Yeah, my, my favorite was, you know, uh, we've talked about him before, but Greg Young was just, 
what we yeah. were able to turn with a, a, a again a five foot eight maybe 155 pound guard right guard yeah. for us and, and turned him into an actually really good offensive lineman I, but yeah. it was he was also very willing and, and 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 that's the thing is that when you found those kids that were willing and would take instruction and actually listen mm. and, and put the into practice and then and then practice what you preach and then, and then take it over to games those are the ones you could work with i was like i'll take them to war like the riley wilson's of the world i'll take those guys to war. yeah yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Uh, those are the ones that make coaching a whole lot of fun. This it just reminded me. I may actually have an embarrassing moment when you were talking about that, which was uh, at an award show at the end of the year, and I think I had built it up in my mind that I was going to give this like underdog speech that this uh, player, you know, not the most athletic, not the fastest or anything. And I get up there on stage and I'm having to do this, which makes me super uncomfortable as is. And I think I had it in my mind. It was like some Hollywood moment where I was going to, you know, build this kid up. But he he overcame it and everything. And I came back and it was castles of all people. that sits there and it's like, He made it. He, he made me convinced. I just got up there and completely just shit on this player. <laughs> like the whole time I got up there and just trashed him the whole time. <laughs> like completely left out the part of building him so I get up in, in my mind I got up in front of this child's parents <laughs> and just trashed him for five to ten minutes and then dropped the mic and go back yeah here's your trophy <laughs> I, I remember that speech I remember thinking when's he gonna get to the positive part I oh st- no he gets his trophy okay okay I, right I still I still am pretty sure it wasn't as bad but Ky- Kyle's timing of it was so perfect that it it, it broke me a little bit or I was like wait a second did I just do that so there's my embarrassing moment. So I think this is what you wanted from your show when, when you knew that the three the three of us were going to get together because we I, trust me when I say that we are scratching the surface with a lot of this and we are, oh, we are yeah. telling we're, we're telling very abbreviated versions of this and we, we're going to the point here where I know we need to stop here in a second but this has been real fun. Um, and we could probably have another show where we go into all this stuff again. But this is the this is the conversations I absolutely love is the coaching tales, the stories, the back and forth. And I even got into my my the guy I respect the most and changed my life in Vic Wallace has probably 20 embarrassing stories I could tell that I witnessed. So in, some of them were on recruiting trips to Mississippi and leaving the in the middle of uh, 90 degree summer in Mississippi, 95 degrees, leaving his uh seat heat, uh, the the heat, the seat heater, whatever on in a, in a suburban the entire way up, all the way up, all three red lights flashing. And couldn't figure out why he was sweating for a five-hour road trip. So that's just a, that's just a taste of some stuff with them. So genius, but you know, with 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 smarts comes some other stuff too. But I want to close up on this. What is your single, just real quick, single best sporting experience either you that you participated in or witnessed? February 7, 2010. New Orleans Saints, Indianapolis Colts, Super Bowl. Onside kick starts the second half. Tracy Porter pick six. Houdat wins the Super Bowl. Or 2016, my Cubbies World Series. And I don't know which one was a bigger deal to me. I love them both. But I actually didn't watch the Cubs game because every time I turned the game on, the Cubs lost. So I did not watch game seven. Oh, I did, and I cried like a baby on my steps. My wife still makes fun of me to this day after that game was over. It's one of the few times I've cried for a, over a sporting event. So, yeah, I'm right there with you on that one. There you go. There's my two. All right, Michael. Um, so I guess Kentucky I'll go. winning the national title. Go ahead. Well, I took no, it for you. No, 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 no. Catch well, this and I'm more not... every Sunday at eight thirty Central, and Dad's watching sports. <laughs> That's right. Um, no, I, I, I mean seeing Kentucky win. I guess what now is three national championships has been has been really cool. Uh, 
I would probably say the best sport sports like moment or sports like atmosphere <clears throat> that I've been to. And, and I, I hashed this out with you guys before, uh, before the show is so in college, um, I had a chance to me and a, a good buddy of, of Kyle and mine's Vance McCullough, we had a chance to, to uh, produce and host a sports television show at Mississippi state. And, you know, I mean, it, it wasn't anything great to be honest with you, but it, it was fun and we got to do it. And we did some stuff like in the, uh, pregame stuff for Mississippi state. And we got to have access to the field and things like that. Well, somehow, uh, and I'm going to put this on Vance because Vance is, is kind of the ultimate manipulator and, and just figures out ways to get things done. Uh, somehow we came up with, it was 2007, uh, LSU and Florida were both in the top five. Uh, LSU was hosting Florida uh, that weekend. Game day was there. It was the biggest game in the, in the country. Somehow we got, two field passes. We, we emailed their SID and we're like, Oh yeah, you know, we have this great TV show and we cover SEC football and we're going to come down there and shoot it and cover that game. I don't know why they bought it, but they bought it. Uh, and so we got two field passes to go down there. So Baton Rouge on the field, Tebow versus the Mad Hatter, Les Miles, uh, Jacob Hester had, I think it was five fourth and one or twos that LSU got, when they got the last one and LSU ended up winning the game, that place literally shook. I mean, it was it was the the best atmosphere of any sporting event I've ever been to. Um, I almost got ran over by Tim Tebow. I think it was like in the second quarter. I was I had the camera and I was video you know video recording, and he had like a quarterback sneak around the edge, and, and all of a sudden I look up and he's like coming right at me, and luckily I was able to move out of the way, or I would have had a, a real fun story to tell. Uh, but that game was just. Unreal. LSU went on to win the national championship that year. Uh, and this, the atmosphere. I mean, I've been to Bryant Denny. I've been to Neyland. Uh, I've been to a lot of big college football games, been to an SEC championship game. Uh, but that atmosphere, been to Rupp Arena, uh, that atmosphere is unlike anything I've ever experienced. Yeah. Yeah, that, that would be big, especially in what's interesting about that is that you didn't really have a rooting interest in either team, really, other than just being a fan of, of sports and being able to witness that for a great game like that in that atmosphere. I can't I can't imagine how deafening that that stadium was. Oh, it was it was unbelievable. And of course, I mean, you know, LSU student section was in true form. Uh, you know, they, they had been uh, they had been juicing up all day. Uh, so they were they were ready oh, yeah. to go, and it was it was it was just un- unbelievable. Eating their corn dogs and, and drinking their juice, man. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's <laughs> no doubt. So for, for mine, just I know I'm not going to touch on 2016. We already talked on that with the Cubs. That was probably not. But for me, and this is going to get sappy, and I apologize. But before I I knew my wife, other than just the basketball player at Lambeth University, we 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 were knew of each other, but mostly like, hey, good, great game last night, that kind of stuff. I was coaching at at the university. She was a senior player. Uh, we didn't have any. We didn't talk until after she graduated. Is this work appropriate? Yes. Okay. So we we let the guys out. They were playing in the in the playoffs. They got in as like the last eight seed because the way they did the brackets, there was four eight seeds and they got in as the last eight seed somehow. Uh, they had a point guard that transferred in from Clemson that was really good. But the Crosstown rivals were um, Union College and uh, Union University, excuse me, and Lambeth had only beaten them, I think, once in the past 10 or 11 uh, matchups and it happened that season but then they got blown out in the second matchup. So it wasn't a whole lot of faith going into this one in this the semifinal for the national championship game. But we got the guys out of spring practice early. We went over to Oman Arena and we watched the game. So we watched this back and forth, this close game. They'd hit a three, Lambeth would hit a three, just back and forth. And whenever the the last shot 
that went in was a three to take the lead. Such an electric atmosphere. I mean, I know it's not a big college, but every student from each university was in this this big arena. And just the, the deafening silence from them when Lambeth hit the game-winning three. And for us, I jumped up. And I'd never celebrated like this before. I jumped up, like physically, I, I must have jumped up at least two feet because how I know that, because two feet above my head was a concrete slab for the, the stands that were above me. And I was wearing my, a hat at the time and that little bead on top of your hat went straight into my head and I collapsed back into my chair going, oh my God, I think I'm dead. <laughs> I just impaled the top of my head because I jumped up two feet and it hit this stupid concrete barrier above me. And it just, it just, it was, but it was, again, it was an electric moment to, to be there in that. And of course, like I said, I, I barely knew my now wife, but then just an acquaintance that was playing basketball. It's kind of funny now we go back and share. It's like I, I tell her all the time, kind of wish we knew each other a little better so I could have talked to you after that game and, and, and seen how you felt about winning that game and, and all that good stuff. And then they go on to win the national championship the next game, but they felt like they already did in the semifinals. So that was one of my favorites as well. I apologize that I made a joke for your emotional moment, but that's it felt okay. appropriate. I didn't know where you're going. Don't, don't that. apologize. That's what that's that's how I remember. I'm a good guy, us. Kyle. I'm a good guy, Kyle. Okay. We, we were all thinking it. I was like, oh, so staff and player. No, no, but there was a there was a yeah, baseball that's coach. How I lost my job. There was another basketball player and a basketball a baseball coach who did lose his job because of this. So that I this had happened like a month before all this. So I was like, I'm steering clear. I'm no way. Uh, <laughs> I can tell my most impactful story now because I've actually talked to him about it. It was it was kind of a taboo subject a little bit because it's like when you've when you've worked with uh, Dr. Dyson before, it's like you don't bring up the Music City Miracle not only just because it's like he's heard so much about it. Like it's not for me though. I like I actually I was in the stadium and so for at my age when that happened, it it really cemented kind of a growing uh, love uh, of football. Um, yeah, and yeah, it was kind of cool to then get your first job actually coaching under that person who did that. But it wasn't so much that he made the play or the tight. It was the emotion in the stadium that because I, I, I kid you not, there were two Bills fans that when Doug, uh, whenever the uh, field goal goes through, say, hey, we're going to beat the traffic. It's been fun. We've been ribbing each other back and forth kind of thing. So we're going to hit it. We're just going to head out kind of thing. And so they left. They were somewhere in the stadium when it actually happened. But just the emotion uh, of that stadium, more so than anything else or anything that happened on the field, was just it, it was so electric to be a part of that it just really cemented like, cool, this is something I can get behind and, and be a part of this is what I want to invest in um so I think look I I was you you had the Miami Ohio State game uh, national championship that really started to cement the love of football uh and then that one just kind of really drove it home um so that's one now that I've actually talked with him about it a little bit that that's something I can actually bring up but yeah most impactful to be to be there because there, there that was such a loaded moment beyond just that game it was the first season so to go through that it was it was a cool thing to be a part of I can't imagine a, be- a better – that was your first NFL football game too, right? Yeah, regular season. Well, Regu- okay. non-preseason. Non-preseason. You know, like one that meant something. Guy, guy gotcha. was giving away tickets to a preseason game kind of game. That That's a that's a cool one to be a part of. So I, I'm a little jealous because I watched that on TV from the fraternity house and was not in the right state of mind during that to really appreciate what was going on in front of me. <laughs> So, uh, for sure. But guys, thank y'all for joining us tonight. I've kept y'all way longer than we thought we would. I apologize. You know, please apologize to your wives for me. I, I'm sorry we ran over. Um, but this has been fun. I, I enjoyed being on y'all's show. Thank y'all so much. And again, uh, it is 
dad's watching sports catch them every Sunday night at 8:30 central they they do a lot of this that you'll hear them talk about monkey knife fight or whatever that is kyle gets really excited about that some betting <laughs> i love me some monkey knife fight. yeah man. you do there is nothing greater than monkey knife fight so there is no math no algorithms algorithms in monkey knife fight there's no baby shark there's no grandma shark there's no daddy shark so, uh, I'm going to give show. you the live read some point in time, Kyle, and just let you have fun with it. <laughs> <laughs> Monkey Knife Fight probably doesn't want me to have I don't know that they really enjoy my version either. <laughs> so if, right. if you enjoy our, our show, The Coach's Corner, please go and check them out. They are live. They, they, you can chat with them. They'll talk back. It, it's a it's a really cool show. I really enjoy watching, so hopefully you will too. So, guys, thank you for joining us, but, but we are going to close it out now. This has been The Coach's Corner, part of Broadway Sports Network, partner with 440 Sports. Remember to be sure and check out all the other podcasts articles and video breakdowns that broadway has sports has to offer at broadwaysportsmedia.com on twitter at broadway tn and this show at coaches on broad make sure again like i said earlier you're checking out their their stuff on twitter at dads watch sports but that until next time we out see ya